I'm reading from uh, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, beginning, um, <clears throat> and that's actually verse, that's 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10, not 2, 1 through 10. So pay no attention to the um, screen. Just missed it by one digit. It is necessary to boast. Nothing is to be gained by it. But I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a person in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that such a person, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows was caught up into paradise and heard things that are not to be told, that no mortal is permitted to repeat. On behalf of such a one, I will boast, but not on my own behalf. I will not boast except of my weakness. But if I wish to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it so that no one may be think better of me than what is seen in me or heard from me, even considering the exceptional character of the revelations. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated, Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that this would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of the weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, I am strong. This is God's word for God's people. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Will you pray with me? Lord God, thank you for these words from your servant, Paul. But Lord, may they be more than just words written down a long time ago for a church a long ways away. But may these be your words for us, your people today. And Lord, by your Spirit, speak to us through these words. And by that Spirit, Lord, use me, yes, even me, that the words I speak are true to you and beneficial to your church. And Lord, may we hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. And whenever you've been interviewed for a job or a position or a scholarship, anything like that, have you ever been asked to tell about your strengths? Were you able to come up with some? I hope so. Were you asked to tell about your weaknesses? 
Or did you uh, maybe volunteer your weaknesses without being asked? Probably not. Paul here kind of exposes a problem that's common um, in the church and out of the church, exalting oneself. I want you to remember that um, this was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to um, a church in Corinth, and this was a diverse church made up of all kinds of people, all new Christians, some formerly Jewish, some Gentiles. And when you read the letters that Paul wrote to its, this church, it's obvious they were having some problems. And one of the biggest of those problems was pride. You would see that people would say, well, <clears throat> since I speak in tongues, I'm more important than this person. Well, I came to know Christ through Paul, so I'm more important than the rest of you. Or I came to, <coughs> excuse me, I came to Christ through Apollos, so that makes me special. So to make a point, <clears throat> Paul is elaborating not on his strengths, but on his weaknesses. And Paul says that he will boast about his weaknesses. We don't like being weak, do we? And <clears throat> you know, being weak makes us um, somehow feel that we're vulnerable. And um, you know, we don't want to say that um, there's something keeping us from doing the things that we want to do, or that I can't just cannot seem to get things right in my marriage or in my other relationships. Thank you so much, Greg. Or maybe that we lose our voice when we're in front of people. <laughs> I mean, we get frustrated by deficiencies and even depressed. We interpret our inability to do what we'd like as evidence that we're weak or inadequate. It gets us down. So in the presence of others, we need to keep up the appearance that we have it all together, that we're masters of our situation. To, be, to show weakness means that we might be exploited. But the Bible says that when I'm weak, then I am strong. And the truth is, the church needs to be different from the world. And Paul is telling us here that through what he described as a thorn in the flesh, he learns that God's strength is revealed through man's weakness. It's interesting because he mentions this revelation from 14 years earlier. And just about everybody, when you interpret this as Paul talking about himself, that um, 14 years earlier he was taken up to paradise 
or to God's throne. But he refers to himself in the third person, maybe um, to seem more humble about it. And this was different from some of the Corinthians and so many in our culture. I mean, I mean, it wasn't, I guess, maybe 20 years ago, a, a big book, uh, Jesse Duplantis wrote this book about going into heaven and describing everything he was shown. And um, I know that's happened many times throughout Christendom. If people have that kind of vision, they tell everybody. Write a book. Hit the speaking tour. Make a name for themselves. But what does Paul tell us about that vision? Nothing, really. That he heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. Paul was really privileged because he received several revelations from God. Um, of course, one was on the road to Damascus when he was struck blind. He had gone out to be an enemy of the church and he was struck down and struck blind by God. He saw Jesus and it changed his life. He had a, a vision at Troas telling him to go to Macedonia. While he was in Corinth, he received a vision telling him to keep on working. In Jerusalem, two times he received visions. And on his way to Rome, on the ship that sank, he had another revelation from God. And now we're told he had a vision of heaven. It would be so easy for Paul to be filled with pride over these revelations and for the church to exalt him too highly. So Paul says that it was for this reason that a thorn was given, so that he would stay humble. So he would stay humble and keep his feet on the ground. You know, the people I know personally who really see God, who have a vision, um, or hear an audible voice or change, they're not the same as before. But it's interesting, almost every single one of them are not filled with arrogance or pride. Instead, they're filled with this unsense of unworthiness and a holy fear of the Almighty God. What was that thorn in Paul's flesh? I know that's what so many ask. I mean, there have been books and books and books written about what that thorn might be. And sometimes we get so caught up in worrying about what the thorn is, that we forget what Paul is really trying to say. That he is made perfect in weakness, or God's 
will is made perfect in weakness. You know, some say that Paul, maybe it was poor eyesight. Because we know that um, in one of his letters, he talks about having trouble seeing. Some says he might say he might have had some kind of disease, such as malaria, chronic headaches, maybe feelings of guilt for the way he lived his life before he met Christ. Maybe it was some sort of habitual sin that he just could not get rid of. How about physical persecutions related to all the persecutions, the beatings and the, everything else that he received for being a follower of Christ? Maybe it was his wife. I mean, Pharisees were married and... Um, there's a good chance that Paul had, you know, just got to read quite a bit about Paul, and you see, this guy probably had troubles at home. Or maybe it was pride. But Paul was led to leave out the name or the description of the thorn, and maybe he did that so we can fill in the blank and put in whatever our own thorn is, or whatever our own weakness is. Because the truth is, every single one of us has problems. But keep in mind, the wording here refers not just to a, an irritation. In fact, a, a more accurate translation of that thorn is more like a tent stake. It's a big thorn. And we know that it went on for a long time. And it affected him physically and mentally and emotionally. Spiritually, because he didn't get the answer he desired through his prayers. He says three times he pleaded with God to get Satan off his back through whatever this thorn was. And God's answer to Paul was not the request that he or, or we would wish. What we look for in our struggles and weaknesses is relief, right? I mean, how many times if you've got something that is really hurting you physically or emotionally, do you go to God and just say, thank you, God, for this? Most of us don't. Instead, we go to God and ask for relief. That's what Paul did. We look for relief from our migraines, um, from family struggles, bad times at work, or maybe no work, relief from exhaustion or depression. Paul asked for help, and he didn't receive it. Instead, he received that revelation, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is made perfect in weakness. And that revelation is for everyone who suffers from prolonged trials. And when we go to God with our burdens, God tends to answer in one of two ways. 
One, he takes the burden away. And the other is he strengthens us through his spirit so that we will be able to bear the burden. And when God doesn't take our burdens away, that's when we can come to depend on him and not our own strength or our own wisdom. And in our pains and our struggles, we have the opportunity to experience the power of Christ as he helps us through those struggles. In Romans chapter 5, we can read, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. See, God is more concerned about our character than he is our comfort. Trials we can, that we go through can either make us or break us, whether it's anger, fear, low self-esteem, lust, infidelity, pride, financial problems, unbearable marriages, physical conditions, broken parent-child relationships. All of us have personal struggles in our lives. And if we haven't yet, we're going to. And in dealing with these difficulties, we have a choice. We can allow those issues to crush and destroy us, or they can be, we can allow them to be a reminder of how desperately we need to depend on God's faithfulness and grace. That is what Jesus went when he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, um, I know there's a lot of people who would stand up here maybe and tell you, all you have to do is trust in Jesus and you're not going to have any more struggles. Um, it's a pretty popular but untrue gospel. We're going to have struggles. So how do we respond? The thing is, if we choose to deal with them on our own, and just on our own, we either become bitter or proud, because we're the ones who accomplished everything. But if we turn it over to God, we can either be relieved, or it can glorify God. And that's even better in the long run. Amen. Amen. Gracious God, sometimes we do not want to say thank you for trials, but Lord, I say thank you for trials. Not because I enjoy them, Lord, but because it reminds me how much I need you. And so, Lord, through it all, may we turn to you and trust you so that our weakness may bring about 
greatness, and especially so people can see your greatness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.